What up, Tate Schoolers? Welcome to another great episode of Tate School of Fitness Fitness Corner Podcast. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Miss Adrian L. Singletary. She is the founder and lead speech uh, language pathologist at uh, Transcends Accents LLC. Uh, we are more than happy to have you here today. Uh, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great today. Thank you for this opportunity. I really do appreciate it, Ernest. I honestly do. Thank you. We are glad to have you. Thank you for coming. Uh, going to jump right into it, like we always do on this, uh, this podcast. I want to ask you, what made you go into this field? Because it's not common that I um, come across a lot of speech therapists, so um, pathologists, excuse me. So what made you jump into this field? I actually got into this field by accident, believe it or not. Um, I wanted to be a pediatrician for the longest, and in high school, I struggled in chemistry and biology, and my mom had a come-to-Jesus moment with me and said, if you cannot do the basic foundation of biology and chemistry, not that you can't, but if you're struggling now, you need to think about something else. So she uh, presented a couple of different career opportunities to me in high school, and speech pathology was, I think, one number one or number two on the list, and I researched it. Thought, okay, I could do this. I love to do things to help people, to help them to progress to different levels. So it was something that was just a natural fit for me. Um, in middle school and high school, I was um, once fluent in sign language, so that was an avenue as well. And here I am as a speech pathologist. That's so cool. Uh, I want to touch on also the uh, the sign language because that is a normal form. I work in the medical field and. You come across people who interpreters, and that is a field that, again, I don't see a lot of people taking advantage of. Uh, what? How did you come across learning sign language? I actually had a friend in middle school who I met in sixth grade who was hard of hearing. She wore hearing aids, and she mostly communicated using sign language. And we just happened to... I don't even know how we carried on some kind of conversation at the beginning, but I remember writing a lot of notes back and forth, and that's how we established our friendship, and she had an interpreter in the classroom, and I really wanted to communicate with her besides writing notes all day. There's only so much you can do during an academic day to keep a friendship when you're writing notes all day, so I asked the interpreter if she would start a club at the school, and she did, and I joined. And I started sign language in sixth grade and stayed with it up until ninth grade. That friend actually ended up moving away. This is way before Facebook, MySpace, Instagram, all social media platforms. So once she moved, we lost touch. So I stopped doing sign language, but I love doing it. Even now working sometimes with small children that are deaf or hard of hearing that are learning sign language, I know a little bit to carry on a simple conversation, but it is truly something really fun to do. So I started doing that. I think that has to be in 1996. Mm -hmm. That sounds about right. Mm -hmm. But I loved it when I, when I knew it, I loved it. Yeah. Is it, is it, is it hard to learn? Not really. Once you learn the basics and you start, you know, at, at the beginning when you're learning a language, you're trying to memorize everything. But just like when you're learning Spanish or French, there's different verb conjugations that go along with it as well. So 
you know, it's more about memorizing at first and making sure that you have the facial expressions that go along with um, with the signs as well. Because a lot of individuals that are hard of hearing, they're looking at your facial expressions. That lets them, that helps them to understand the concept or what's going on in that conversation. So that was the part that was a little difficult because you have to use a lot of facial expressions, which is why now if you're watching the news or you're watching um maybe different reports that are on TV and there's an interpreter, usually they don't have masks on because people need to be able to see not only their hands, but their facial expressions as well. So I didn't find it very difficult. I will say that it is, it can be very fast and you've got to keep up because you're watching hands the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is very, it's fast paced once you know it. Yeah. How, um, I don't think people realize how important is speech as far as just, not just, we won't just say career-wise, but a lot of people do want to. We do want to discuss the importance of being able to communicate and speak. But just overall, how important is speech? Do you think having communication is what you need to kind of get? Not kind of. It's what you need to get through your day. It's how you let others know how you feel. Your functional communication skills. It's your body language. It is how you get from point A to point B. So a lot of times everyone thinks of just language as just the verbal component, but there's receptive language, how you process information. So a lot of times you have adults and children that can hear, but they don't know how to process language. So you're thinking about the processing component, the hearing component, the body language component, the verbal component. It's a big part of our day. A lot of speech pathologists say, you know, I'm a voice for the voiceless. I don't always agree with that because I feel like I have the skill set to give someone a voice. It doesn't have to be verbal, but I can teach a child or assist a child with using picture exchange system. I can help an adult that wants to progress in their career, work on their interview skills or their presentation skills, or to go to the point where they're no longer stuttering as much as they used to. That's the part about communication where it's just so broad, but it's so very important. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because... Of course, we know we hear about that in a, in a good relationship. You have to have some kind of formal communication, uh, and especially these days, because if you don't be able to communicate, then you won't advance. And that hinders a lot of people from advan- advancing in their careers. Like, do you have a lot of your clients, do they come to you uh, mostly most of the time because they just don't know how to convey how they feel and how to get their point across so they can advance in their fields? Or is it more just a, just overall communication? Um, For the adults that I work with in my field, it's mostly just adults that want to convey their thoughts. So I tell um, adults that come to see me that need help with interview skills, you know, you can have a great resume. You can even hire someone to write your resume for you. So your resume gets you in the door. What What seals the deal with the job is your interview. So a lot of adults come to me for interviewing skills, how to communicate correctly, how to articulate and enunciate them, how to enunciate correctly during a, during an interview. You have adults that have difficulty still with stuttering. They want to be fluent, but either they've never had speech therapy before or they had it maybe when they were younger, but something has come along in life where those um, fluency skills are now interrupting their day-to-day communication skills. They need some assistance. You have some adults that still have difficulty with specific speech sounds. They may not be able to say their R's, their L's, their W's. Believe it or not, you we take that for granted, but there are some adults that still struggle with that and they don't know where to go. They know in elementary school, middle school, maybe in high school, there was a speech therapist on campus, but they don't know where to go 
beyond that. Mm -hmm. They don't know who to go see. So my clientele for my business is adults that just want to enhance their communication skills. It can be with stuttering, which is fluency. It can be articulation, presentation skills, interviewing skills. But if you have, I tell people, if you have something to say, and you're afraid to say it, I am here to give you the skills and techniques that you need so that way you can convey your thoughts and your story. We all have a story to tell, Mm -hmm. all of us. Um, But I want to be the person that allows you or gives you the techniques that you need to get to that point where you can convey your thoughts well. Yeah. A lot of individuals will say, oh, I have trouble uh, speaking in front of crowds, uh, public speaking. But... um, most of the time, correct me if I'm wrong, it's usually because of somewhere where they lack in a speech. It doesn't really have to do with the crowd or the audience or what or the setting. It's just the fact of them being able, not as confident. To, and, yes. Yeah. Confidence is a big thing. Some people need someone to coach them along the way. Um, in my corporate speech therapy service that I provide, a lot of adults come in because they want to do presentations, whether it be at church whether it be in the workplace, whether it be just in the community, it doesn't matter. Some people feel like I want to tell the masses my story. I want to convey this information I have. I am not confident on speaking in front of crowds. So that 10 weeks of there with me, we go through, okay, what are you afraid of? Let's get to the bottom of that. Is it the large crowds? Is it someone that you know is going to be in the crowd that's going to be critiquing you? We have to start figuring out what is going on that makes you nervous. Is it the large number of people that you think are going to be there or that will be there? And you're just terrified of that. So just trying to understand what they need assistance with and then coaching them through each step. So it's 10 weeks for corporate speech therapy. We're looking at how often do you use filler words like, um, like, you know, what is your body language like? How do you breathe? Breathing is a big thing. Sometimes you'll notice people that have very scarce breathing when they're speaking. They don't know how to breathe breathe appropriately when they're speaking in front of a crowd or even speaking, period. So we talk about how do you go about making sure that you're breathing correctly? Um, what is your posture like? What are you going to wear? We have dress rehearsals. So if you're thinking, okay, I want to do a presentation and I want to wear this suit, wear it to your next session so that way we can make sure you're not sweating profusely. Maybe you need to think about something else to wear. Women, if you're going to be using a microphone, you need to be mindful of how much jewelry you have on because if you have a mic that's a lapel mic, your jewelry is touching that, that could cause feedback. What kind of earrings are you wearing if you have an earpiece? We look, I look at all of those things when we're thinking about presentation skills. And a lot of times it is confidence. And most people just need someone to coach them through the whole process of preparing for a presentation. Absolutely. Uh, as a child, um, I actually had a speech um, impediment. And even today, sometimes with certain things, I say it still uh, is here. But um I, I don't remember working with a speech therapist. If I did, I, I really don't remember. Um, I think I became more confident in speaking in college. And then when I was training federal employees, because I had no choice. I mean, it was my job. I had to speak in front of this crowd. I had to get this done. So mine was more of like, when unfortunately, I'm about to tell him my father, like when he my father taught me how to swim, he just threw me in the deep end and said, don't die. <laughs> so, you know, that's how I felt with me and speaking in front of individuals, because I noticed how even some of my partners, when I was working and teaching, um, training federal employees, they would be terrified. And I'm thinking like, this is your job. You knew this was part of the, 
um, I job requirements and it just blew my mind. But then again, once you start speaking to them, it was more about confidence. It was more about, um, how do I sound? How do I look? You know, it's just things like that came into play. And I never thought about that. I just was like, okay, this is a lot of people. I don't want them to fall asleep. <laughs> that was pretty much it. So, uh, the fact that you provide all of that, cause I, I never thought about it. The earpiece, the, the uh, jury, uh, practice runs. I never thought about that. I just, again, like I said, just with me, I just got up there and just did it. But I think it's very important because again, um, that is a huge fear for a lot of people speaking in front of individuals, you know, oh, yes, there, um, is an article. The latest article I saw about a year ago said that 73% of the population is terrified of public speaking wow. and the fear of public speaking is actually called glossophobia. So, that means 230-something million people have a fear of public speaking. Wow. And Jerry Seinfeld actually had a joke in um, a stand-up comedy special he did. He said, most people would rather be dead, like would rather lay in a casket, be dead, rather than to speak at a funeral. Wow. So people would rather say, I would rather just die wow. than to have to speak, wow. than to speak at a funeral. Wow. Like people are that definitely afraid of public speaking, but there there are resources out here. Hello, that's mm-hmm. me. Um, <laughs> that can help you um, to coach you and to assist you with making sure that you have the skill set to get out there and present to others. And yeah. believe it or not, a lot of adults struggle with articulation skills. A lot yeah. of people think it's just children, but adults have difficulty. A lot of uh, my clients that come in for articulations for articulation skills, they will avoid certain words that have certain sounds. Mm-hmm. So they will stop a conversation to try and think of something else to say. So that way they don't have to say a certain word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's more common than people think. A lot of adults stutter. So one of my clients said, everyone thinks I'm really quiet. I'm not really a quiet person. I just stutter. Mm-hmm. So I don't say much because I don't want people looking at me wondering why it's taking me so long to say a sentence. But come to find out he had never gone to speech therapy before to learn the techniques to assist him with his fluency skills. So so you you talk about stutter and so people can actually like I don't, I don't know about the terminology is to cure, but so you can actually help somebody from stuttering with just the skills with the skill set that I have, I wouldn't say cure it because people that have difficulty with stuttering, that will be a lifelong, I don't want to say struggle, but it will be something they have difficulty with. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, there are so many different techniques out there for fluency that you can say, okay, these are five different techniques. Let's see which technique works best for you. Once that person goes through that list and says, this is the one that's best for me. Okay, I'm going to we're going to practice different speaking situations where you use that technique to make sure that you have fluent speech. If you get to a block, this is what you need to do, which is a block is where someone that has difficulty with stuttering, their mouth is open and no words come out. So it's just nothing's mm-hmm. happening. Or they may have whole word repetitions where they say, I, 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 want. So they have, they're stuck in those prolongations um, for whole word, part word repetitions. But you can give them um, different techniques to assist them when they get to that point. How do you get past that? Or before you speak, this is something you need to do to help you get through a sentence and it sounds like it's coming out very nice and smooth. So there's a skill set 
that you learn that I, I'm like, this is what you need to do. And I'm going to give you a couple of different examples and you're going to choose the one because I can't choose it for you because I'm not going to be with you 24 hours a day. You're going to choose the one that works best for you. And we're going to practice that over and over and over again. And I tell adults, you don't have to worry about where you go to Toastmasters, possibly you have a group of people listening to you. Mm-hmm. It's just you and I. So this is private. I'm going to look at every little thing and tell you, okay, let's try this. Let's try that. Let's try this. That's that's what's in my tool bag of techniques. I tell people I have a tool bag mm-hmm. of techniques and I'm going to pick the one that I think is going to be best for you, but you have to be the one to be okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had friends uh, growing up, uh, two friends actually that stuttered really, really bad. And one of them uh, is definitely better now. And the other one is it's still about the same. And I think to myself, like, because you're saying these tools, because we know it's tools and the skills that we learn to improve almost any and everything in life. And I wonder, and I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask my friend now, did he actually get help with that? Because um, I noticed as we was getting older, he would just pause and then he'd go. And I don't know if that's a skill set, you know, you tell me, but he would pause and then he'd be like, then he'd finish because he would get excited and it'd get really, really bad. And he'd get stuck into those, and you'd be like, okay, just, you know, even then just calm down. Yes, there is a technique that um, uses pausing. Mm-hmm. There are some techniques that use breathing. Um, there are some techniques that talk about your posture. I mean, there's so many different techniques. It's just finding the right one for that individual. Um, a lot of times, my clients that stutter, they say, well, you know, I don't want to talk because I don't want people to tease me. And I said, well, I understand that, so you're in the right place, so that way you can feel comfortable conveying your thoughts and ideas. Because like I've said before, you have something to say. Don't make it so that people have to speak for you. You yeah. can speak for yourself. Absolutely. And I want to make sure that I can give you what I've learned as a speech pathologist to assist you with that, with your fluency skills. And I tell clients, you've got to tell me which type of prolongation or which type of block you're having. So when they say, I don't know what that means, okay, this is what this would sound like. And I tell them, please understand I'm not teasing you or making fun of how you sound. I just need to know specifically, this is what a block is. Is this what you do? This is a prolongation. It sounds like this. This is whole word repetitions. This is what it sounds like. So I tell clients, when you're coming in for fluency concerns or stuttering concerns, I need to know exactly what you're having difficulty with because not everyone has the same disfluency. I need to know specifically what it is and we can go straight from there. Okay. Yeah, and I don't want you to name them all, but could you name like some, because uh, we talk about stuttering, could you name some other things that people may be, uh, may be challenging? I don't want to say struggle, but maybe challenging when it comes to speech. Sure. Like I said, the presentation skills, interviewing skills, articulation, which is your enunciation or pronunciation skills. Um, another one, believe it or not, that is not a true communication skill, but a big part of corporate speech therapy is just breathing correctly. Mm-hmm. So you'll notice that some people, when they do a presentation, you'll see them sweating profusely, you know, sweating on their forehead. You'll see their underarms are sweating. Yeah. Um, they're trying to finish their presentation and it goes by like in two minutes. Yeah. A 10 minute, a 10 minute presentation is two minutes. They're moving so fast, but yeah. they don't know how to slow down their rate of speech to make sure that everything flows the way it should. 
So breathing is a big part. Believe it or not, it's not even a component or an area of speech and language, but it's a huge part of how you communicate. You need to be able to breathe correctly. I just, I tell all clients, we're going to work on breathing for a whole session. Yeah. We're going to talk about that, what that looks like, what it sounds like. Um, a lot of clients just want, they have an idea of what they want to sound like. So I can say articulation, stuttering, interviewing skills, presentation skills. And some people just come in and say, I just want to sound good when I talk. Yeah. I just want to sound good. And yeah. I have to tell them, tell me what sounding good sounds like. Who does that, who do you admire when you look at this person or hear this person, you think, I really want to be able to communicate like that. Not so much from a presentation standpoint, but how can I communicate like that person? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, that, yeah, because I, I feel like, of course, we all need room to, we have room to improve. And I think to myself, like, uh, even when I speak doing this, as long as I've been doing this and working with clients, it's like, well, how could I convey that better? How could I uh, say that better? Because I'm pretty much like to the to the point when I speak and I say, well, sometimes it come off harsh. So maybe it's body language tone. or something. Yeah, a tone. Exactly. Tone. tone. So it's like it's things that we all can work on. That's why I feel like this is very important because. Again, I don't think individuals think about it because mostly when I hear things, it's because, like you said, people worrying about being teased, people worrying about confidence and things of that nature. But it's so much plays into it. And I'm glad that you was you're here to explain these different things, because maybe people think about that a little bit more when they have presentations or just when they communicate with their loved ones at home. Uh, I want to ask you also what what make what keeps you going? What what? What makes you say, you know what, I know I am right where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. Every session that I have with a client, I mean every single session, it doesn't matter what I'm working on with a client, I feel like I am working within my purpose, What I doing what I know I was called to do. I am so thankful and grateful um, that my mother introduced this feel to me because it's so it can be very broad and there's different areas most times people think of speech therapists working in a hospital setting a nursing home a school setting a preschool private doing private therapy um, working with adults or children that may have may have difficulty with eating swallowing but no one really does the corporate speech therapy or even the accent modification mm-hmm. that's another area that i provide services for but not a lot of speech pathologists do this And that's how I know, like, I'm doing something different than what everybody else does as a speech pathologist. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many speech pathologists send me messages through Instagram, Facebook, emails. How do I, you know, incorporate corporate speech therapy? How do I get into accent modification? So I know I've found my, my why. Mm -hmm. And this is what I love to do. There are days where I'm tired, but once I start the session, I'm on. I'm ready. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. And my clients will tell you, you, they know I love my job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really do love what I do in this area, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of my business, that I've made it something that's totally different. And I've just gone through all the different stages of figuring out how to make it something totally different than what everybody else is doing. And that's my why. Like, I've discover my own little path in speech pathology and Mm -hmm. i love i just love like i truly love that Ernest. i cannot express that enough i love 
doing what I'm able to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it shows. It definitely shows. It's, uh, you have to be passionate about anything as in business as an entrepreneur. Uh, you can't just you know do it part time. You can't just say uh, I do it when I feel like it. So you have to have some some drive, some passion behind it, and it shows. It definitely does. Um, I want to uh, also ask that uh, with the you you spoke on the accent modification. How how does that work? Like, um, how would, don't want to get, we don't want you to give it all away, but how would a session look when you actually work with somebody with accent modification? So depending on where they're from. So just to give a little background about accent modification, it is a service that's provided by a speech pathologist that has been specially trained to, you have to be specially trained for this, um, working with adults that want to communicate better in English. Most times they've been in the United States for years, but they still have an accent from their from their first language. So I tell clients, I'm not going to get rid of your accent. First and foremost, we're going to modify it because so many different um, languages have sounds that we don't have in English or sounds that we have in English they don't have in their first language. So that's why you hear that they're speaking English, but it's sometimes difficult to understand what they're saying. So mm-hmm. I'm pinpointing what sounds, specific sounds they have difficulty with in English, and we're working on that. So we do a lot of practice drills. We're looking at if you're working in a certain industry, what are some words in your industry that people have to ask you to repeat again and again? How do you make those sounds correctly? How do you articulate yourself well when you're on the phone? So like I said, when we're looking at those specific sounds, there are some languages where they may not have all the vowels that we have. So I'm looking at how do you say a long vowel A, a short vowel A, a long vowel O, a short vowel O, because you don't have that in your repertoire of sounds from your first language. Mm -hmm. So we're pinpointing everything. So we do a lot of practice drills, a lot of um, sentence structure to make sure that you're also using your, some of your grammar skills correctly. We try not to touch on grammar, but a lot of clients say, people ask me to repeat myself all the time. I'm saying it correctly. And then when they say it to me, I'm like, actually, your verbs are not correct. Mm-hmm. So we can touch on that just a little bit, but for the accent modification, it just depends on what sounds they have difficulty with in the English language. Yeah. And we're just going from there. And it doesn't have to be a foreign accent. So you have, um, I've had clients that are from certain parts or certain regions of the United States where they may have an accent, maybe a, um, a Northern accent. You have like a New York, a Boston, um, New Orleans, Louisiana, Midwest. You have different types of little accents or pockets from all over, you know, the United States and just the world. I've been blessed to have clients in different continents. So mm-hmm. that's the wonderful thing about Zoom and technology yeah. that when everything happened with COVID and everyone was trying to pivot to, you know, to work on Zoom, I was already used to working with Zoom. It was yeah. I didn't have to pivot too much. You know, I'd work with clients from overseas. The time difference is difficult sometimes, but I'd already done that. Mm-hmm. Um, let me go back to your question. So we're looking at during that session, mm-hmm. we're looking at sound errors that they may have difficulty, how they're using their um, their language skills when it comes to the workplace. Because I tell clients, you want to sound like your authentic self when you're with your family and friends. If you are coming for accent modification, that means you're thinking, you know, that there's something that's a little different from your English compared to everybody else that you hear. And you've probably been told over and over to repeat yourself. So what are you constantly having to repeat over and over again? We're going to practice that so that way you feel more confident and you don't have to ask, get asked that same question over and over again yeah. to repeat yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and since 
actually you just talked about that was my next question talking about COVID. Um, um, because again, this has affected everyone in business somehow, some form, some fashion. I don't think anybody has been touched. If it's been a good, if it's affected in a good way or a negative way, but, um, how has COVID affected your business? If it affected at, at, you know, did it affect it at all? I would say, um, I'll start with the positive. I've had more clients to sign up for Zoom etiquette and Zoom communication skills than ever. Mm-hmm. You know, because now we're all doing meetings virtually. It can be Google Meet, Skype, Zoom, whatever your virtual platform is, FaceTime, whatever. Now people are seeing each other. We're seeing each other virtually. So a lot of people are now looking at themselves on a computer screen and thinking, I don't know, not only do I not really know how to do Zoom, I don't know when to interject correctly on a Zoom or during a Skype call or FaceTime if there's a group of people. I'm used to being in a conference room where we may have a team meeting and I can just sit there and be quiet. But now, you know, my manager or my supervisor is asking everyone to provide their information because maybe somebody is out on sick leave and now I have to be the one to present the information. I didn't have to do that before. So I've, my business has grown tremendously with Zoom etiquette, presentation skills on using virtual platforms. Um, I still have the same number of clients, um, international clients, so that has been great. Uh, I think the downside for me and my business is that I was not able to provide services um, from March up until about June, end of June, early July, face-to-face. And I mm-hmm. love seeing my clients face-to-face. My local clients or clients that live in the state of North Carolina that drive to come see me from maybe Winston-Salem, Fayetteville, wherever that come once a week for their session. I missed seeing them because I'm looking at everything. I'm looking at your body language, how you're sitting, your posture, your breathing. So mm-hmm. I just tell clients, okay, I just need you to lift your laptop or your ipad up i need to be able to see what's going on with your hands i mm-hmm. need you to tell me a little bit more details about what's going on with your posture when it how, how are you crossing your legs are you at the knee are you at the ankle like i can't see those th- some of those things of course through zoom so mm-hmm. that would be i think where the downfall is but for the most part where everyone was trying to pivot and learn a virtual platform I was very familiar with, uh, you know, using Zoom or a virtual platform. And most of my clients before COVID that were international, I was teaching them how to log into Zoom, how to connect to the audio, how to make sure your camera is on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was teaching that before with my international clients. So I didn't have to do a pivot on that point. So that was, I feel truly blessed that I didn't have to try and figure something out. I was already doing that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um Yes, same here, because even when Zoom, when everybody's like, well, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to see my clients, because even with personal training, I love to be with my clients face to face, but I was already training people on Zoom. So a lot of people who was, I don't want to say that we was looking into the future, but here we was kind of, because I was like, well, I can train more people if I use technology instead of getting in the car and going to go see them. Um, So um, I think that, Everyone who was already there in that space, that it has been great. But a lot of people who are slow, late to the game, as they say, I can see how it could have affected in a very, very bad way. Um, And I didn't think, again, I didn't think about that as well on the Zoom call that you do have to see the body language. Like, I just was thinking like, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's fascinating. You do have to see the body language. Um, Also during this time, a lot of people picked up a lot of 
habits, um, good and bad. So do you, did you pick up any healthy habits during this time? No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that during the month of September, I did a social media cleanse. I called it my mindfulness month where Mm -hmm. I did no social media. That means no Instagram, no Instagram, no Facebook. Um, I didn't watch TV, news, nothing. Nice. The only thing that I even think was close to social media was listening to a podcast in the morning instead of listening to the news. I read, I, you know, really went hard into my business, focusing on different things, changing things up, um, looking at how I'm providing services, what can I do better? And a lot of other entrepreneurs, and you know, as an entrepreneur, even just an individual period, you have to be careful who you tell things to you know, who you tell your business to or what you're mm-hmm. going to do to improve yourself. Because some of my friends that are entrepreneurs were thinking, actually told me, how are you going, how is your business going to thrive and survive if you go the whole month without social media? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even plan a, a post or anything, didn't mm-hmm. schedule anything whatsoever. And I said, you know, this is something I need to do. I want to do because I need the time to focus and listen to listen to what is going on in my mind because sometimes social media and the media can get so loud that you don't have a chance to listen to your like your internal voice and what's really going on around you so I said my business is my business is going well so if it's if it's really good it'll be fine you know that Mm -hmm. was a they put that fear in me Mm -hmm. but I knew it was something I had to do and during the month of September I had more consultations than I ever had I had more clients than I usually do in a month. And it was because I think I had a chance to really listen and pick up on and move in a dip, move in a different way. Um, I just had a chance in a healthy way. I would think is that I listened to my inner voice and I don't know how people feel about vibrations and just everything coming to you, but I felt like, and I made a post about this. I felt like I vibrated higher. Like mm-hmm. I had to hear and receive all the different, all the good things that were um, in store for me without being blocked by the outside noise. Like I ran, I went back to jogging during that month and um, just started to listen to nature. Like when I was jogging, I would not take my headphones. I would have my phone, but I wouldn't even put my headphones in just to listen to the birds or a car coming by or just taking everything in. So that was my I think what allowed me to be healthy, mm-hmm. um, getting kind of back, getting back to just how how things were before I got onto social media. Yeah, and I think some certain uh, the generation you know coming behind me, I don't think they really know what that's like to just be at peace with just peace and quiet. Yes, and that's what it was for months for me just. Peace and quiet. And I love, I told my husband, I'm going to do that at least two times a year now, at least. Mm -hmm. I can't say once a quarter, but um, at least two, maybe three times a week. I mean, three times a year. I I will tell anyone now, if you can take a month away from social media, you feel like a month is too long, just try two weeks, 14 Mm -hmm. days, Mm -hmm. and see what happens. You'll learn so much about yourself. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah, because we have so much coming in um, constantly. All this uh, stimulation, all this anxiety, all these pressures, all, right. all this. All is like, so, no, that's that's very, I think that's amazing. You did do something. That's very healthy. Uh, yeah, I just took one month. I said 30 days, and I started um, a Harvard course, um, a certification course, 
and I was glad I did it, started it that month because I really had to be focused on that course, but I, it was the best because I didn't have to compare myself to somebody I saw on social media. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to worry about this post or this news article or this news station changing my thoughts about something. I was in tune with just Adrian, just me. Absolutely. And and we cannot just uh, skip over the Harvard thing. Now, what was what was that about? So as a speech pathologist now working with adults in my field, a lot of many of my clients in Charlotte that are local work for a bank here in Charlotte. We're the second largest banking city in the city in the United States. Mm -hmm. So. A lot of my clients that work in Uptown come down to my Uptown office and they would talk about all these different business, like just business stuff. And I would sit there and nod and say, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I have no idea what they're (laughs) talking about. So as someone who always feels like it's important to learn something new, I I feel like I'm well-versed in speech pathology, but I want to be well-versed in business. I'm a business owner and I want to be well-versed in business. So I was starting to look around to say, like, do I want to get like an MBA? And I said, that's too, I don't think I can do that because I don't have any background in business. So I started, my my sister said, well, if you want to learn something about business, you better look at some of the best business schools to see what they possibly offer that you can do on the computer. And um, Harvard has a couple, there are a couple of different schools that have some programs. And Harvard popped up and I started researching and they have a business sustainability certification course. And Oh, that the mm, it's it's Harvard. I will put it like that. It's okay. not for the weird. You've got to go in with your putting your best foot forward. The mm-hmm. first week or so, you know, everyone in the cohort is are business owners, work for, for Fortune five hundred companies, have their own companies. They they're just doing all this wonderful stuff, and they know all this business terminology. And this is terminology I've heard from clients, but none that I've ever used before mm-hmm. in my in my career. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking through dictionaries, Googling mm-hmm. different stuff. And my husband's like, wait a minute now, you're not supposed to be Googling. I said, well, wait a minute, I have to have it so I yeah. can figure out <laughs> what I can, what they're talking about. So it pushed me to learn so much about business and sustainability with business mm-hmm. um, in terms of like a global, from a global platform. And it was so wonderful to learn something new. Yeah. Not just learning something new within my field, but learning something new completely that mm-hmm. I knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. You know, when I work with students and they tell me I don't like math, I'm like, Miss Singletary only knows enough math to balance her checkbook, sweetheart. So <laughs> I get it. Yeah. But you've got to get through the math. But here I was not only thinking about math, but graphs and how does business sustain? How do you sustain a business during this? And this business did this compared to this business. How do you think they were able to both be sustainable? And then this third, it was something that was mind blowing, but I learned so much um, at, at a really fast pace. Mm-hmm. And I feel now when I'm with my corporate, my true corporate clients that work in corporate America, I can have a real full conversation because I push myself to do something totally different in the area of speech pathology. Mm-hmm. So now I feel, hey, when someone talks about sustainability or talks about a big Fortune 500 company and how much they were able to um, outsource when it comes to sustainability and this rainforest, I can discuss that feel very confident with it Mm -hmm. you know that was something that was something i needed to do 
um, that I didn't even realize I needed to do it for my own for my for my own well being. It was mm-hmm. it was just a wonderful opportunity. Sounds, absolutely, opportunity. sounds like it. So, how long was the program? It was three to four weeks, and you're on. They tell you that you're. It's about. 80 to 80 to 120 hours a week on your computer and you are on there writing typing answering questions posting researching it was just fast paced in a short amount of time like the first week i was like where i I quit (laughs) i I don't want to do this my sister my husband were both saying this is harvard you didn't sign up for anything simple you've got to push through and you can't complain about it. So mm-hmm. you wanted to learn something new. This is something new. These are growing pains. You're going to have to push through and make it through. So yeah, yeah, that's intense. <laughs> yeah, that's intense. I mean, three to five weeks at anywhere, but especially Harvard. That is super intense. They make you work for it. I tell anyone like, oh, it's it's Harvard for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's super. And I felt like when I started, I said I'm prepared because I've gone to Hampton University, Howard University. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. And when they were throwing stuff at me, I said, I don't know if maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm not prepared like I thought I was, mm-hmm. but it worked out. Yeah, good. I did well. So I'm very excited about that. Very good. Very good. I, um, Before we let you, before I let you go, I have to uh, ask also, um, during this time and everything going on, uh, do you, because we also talk about physical health and we talk about mental health, um, during this time though, with everything going on, uh, we all see it with news, this, that, and the third, how has these, have, has these events actually came up during sessions with your clients? Yes. Yes. So this week with everything that happened on Wednesday mm-hmm. at the, um, in Washington, DC, um, my client that I had on Thursday, we discussed it. You know, I, I stopped the clock for our time and I said, we can discuss it. We're, we're open. This is a safe place so we can discuss it. And believe it or not, the client that I had on Thursday decided to, she wanted to not only discuss the events, but to change her whole, the last six weeks, of her program, her services with me to look at how to present and discuss topics, difficult topics at work, Mm -hmm. because that was something that she had experienced before, but now that she was moving into, um, you know, being, being that she had just recently been promoted, she knew that she would have to do more presentations. She said, I need to now focus on how to have those difficult conversations. So when things like this come up, how do I have a difficult conversation where my tone is appropriate, my body language is appropriate, um, that I can still have maintain eye contact with everyone, whether it be through Zoom or when we come back into our building shortly. I need to be able to do that because I don't know specifically how to have those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, she said that she'd read a book about having difficult conversations, but what does that look like? So how do I maintain eye contact with someone who I know has different views than I do political views than me? Mm-hmm. How do I ensure that my tone is appropriate for this topic? So we went through and changed her whole course outline based on the fact that she just wanted to be able to 
be a good manager, but be a manager where people felt comfortable coming to her and she felt comfortable having those difficult conversations. So they have come up. It has come up. I'm sure it will be something that more um, clients will want to discuss. How do you have those difficult conversations and what's appropriate to discuss? And how do I present on topics that are difficult? How do I present how do I present on that topic? And it come and it comes off as being sincere mm-hmm. and genuine. Where it's not just sympathetic, but it's empathetic as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because uh, regardless of what we have to, um, we have to have those because it's so. It, it's kind of, it's larger than life. Even with people who don't say, "I don't talk," I don't talk about politics. I don't any of that stuff. It's so big that it's going to come up. It's going to come up. Yeah. It's, it's going, going to come up. To. Yeah. And if it doesn't come up in certain workplaces, it would make me question what kind of workplace, what kind of workplace are you working in? Absolutely. And you don't have to step on people's toes when it comes to politics, but right is right and wrong is wrong. Mm-hmm. And like I told my client, if you know this is something that is going to come up, let's totally change your whole, the next six weeks, let's change it up. Mm-hmm. Let's look, let's pinpoint exactly some topics that you want to discuss. And let's make sure that when you discuss it, you look like this, you sound like this, you come across like this. Absolutely. So, yeah, Absolutely. I, it will come up. Like, it would make me question where you work if it doesn't come up. That's true. Very true. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. If you could please tell the people how can they contact you and how could they book a section? Sure. They can always reach me through social media. So it's trans on Instagram is transcendent underscore accents. You can always look for me on Facebook, transcendent accents. You can also visit my website at transcendentaccents.com and you can do a book button click the book button in my link for Instagram. Same thing with Facebook. And there's a contact link on my website as well. Well, thank you very much. I wish you all the best of luck in the world. Um, keep uh, actually just leading the way because again you are in a space that a lot of us uh, speak actually leading up to this interview I was speaking with some people and they just didn't believe the percentage of how many African Americans are in speech therapies uh, period Um, there's 8% um, there's 8% that identify as uh, POCs, people of color, mm-hmm. and 3% that are African-Americans. Exactly. So yeah. it's a very small number of minorities, I should say, in the speech pathology field. That's and so right. I feel so blessed to, to know that I've created like a different avenue in speech pathology, and I love it. Yeah. Truly love it. Yeah. Well, we definitely, we're grateful for you and um, look forward to uh, all of your success. Uh, thank you for coming thank on. You. All right. Thank you so much, Ernest, for the opportunity. Have a great day. All right, you do the same. Bye now. Thank you. What up, Tay Schoolers? If you enjoyed that last episode, please like, share, and comment. We are available on all digital platforms where you listen to your podcasts. If you want us to keep bringing on great guests to inform you about different areas where you can excel, Please keep the suggestions coming. We are checking our DMs, our messages, and I do try my best to make sure we get individuals in that space so you can learn about those areas. 
Up and coming events with Tay School of Fitness. Right now we have the Fit for 40 Challenge 2. You still have time to sign up. You have one more week. We are just one week in. We have seven weeks to go. So you do have time to change that body and get this year started off on a very healthy note. And if you want to ease into the next challenge and you're not ready for this challenge, you can always join us for Wellness Wednesdays. Every Wednesday at 6 p.m., we have a free hit Zoom class and we go live on Instagram. So that can also get you ready for the next challenge that's coming up. So please join us. We look forward to having you. As always, thanks for all of your support and have a fit day.